0: Hear that? That's the sound of your car's NCT getting closer. But this year, why not rely on an Avantcard loan rather than luck? If it's time to upgrade your car to something newer, it's time you contacted Avantcard. AventCard offers loans from 5000 to €75,000, approval in principle in minutes, and personalised pricing made for you.
1: Find out more at AventCard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Avantcard DAC Trading's Avantcard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.
0: Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell.
1: I'm joined today by Matt Williamson. Matt, how's it going today? It's going well, man. I mean, just to fill everybody in and pull the curtain back a little bit, we we haven't been pumping out podcasts like we plan on doing. You know, you were on vacation for a while. I was on vacation for a long while. A couple other things floating around, but hopefully we'll start to do these a little more regularly. We got, what, a couple of weeks until the draft. Um, we're going to line up some, some guests who are – draft experts, you know, and, and at some point, we're going to really, I, I would think, and you and I haven't talked about this, but I pretty much think from here on out, we really need to start talking about the prospects after today, and today's going to be kind of a unique show, and then maybe you can explain it to people.
0: Sure, today, we're actually um, going to take some some listener questions, we've got a ton of uh, great questions from you guys via Twitter, so we're going to cover a lot of different topics today, but Matt, you're right, we from here on, it'll it'll really be focusing heavy on the incoming rookie class. Uh, we do have some great guests lined up for the next couple of weeks, and we appreciate all of our listeners sticking with us during this the short hiatus that we we dealt with. We had some real life things pop up, but but yeah, like like Matt said, we're back and ready to get back in our routine.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty excited about it. And then uh, when we're done here, I'm off to a real good dinner. Today's my 18th anniversary, so. Big, big news there. All right. Congratulations oh, on that. Yeah. Well, we're going to jump into
0: these uh, listener questions, and our first one is, is an interesting one. I, I think I, I, I kind of know your answer on this already, Matt, but uh, we'll see exactly what you have to say. Jonathan says, what are your thoughts on buying players with picks instead of risking high bust rates? Specifically, in this year, I think the answer might be different for this year versus a typical year on this question. Why don't you go ahead and give your answer, and let us know if it differs for this year only, or what your normal thought would be on flipping picks
1: for players. Well, before I answer it, I'm not exactly sure what he's asking. I mean, are, are you? Is he asking? You know, I, I want to go get whoever ex-player. I want Devontae Freeman. Would it, is he saying, or are, are you worried about using picks to do that, or is he saying, I'm not exactly sure what he's asking me.
0: So the way I read the question is, you know, in any rookie pick, whether you're talking an early first round pick or or third or fourth round flyer, you know, there's there's a bust right there with any rookie. Just the unknown of um. You know, what role will he play in the NFL, and can those skills translate? Will he be able to um, have the same success we saw from, from that player in college? So, so any rookie pick has a, a somewhat high bust rate. So would you rather take a chance on that rookie that we are not sure what we might get, or would you rather go get a proven player with
1: those picks through a trade? My thoughts are, and I think we said this in the first Dynasty Blueprint ever, that a pick in my hands or a pick in your hands is more valuable and has a less bust rate than the guy in my Legends League who just posted, why are you guys sending me trades? It's baseball season. You know, (laughs) which just makes me shake my head and, you know, makes me lose my mind. But anyways, I don't you know, picking my hand is valuable. I'm I'm going to hit on it. And if you guys listen to this show on and on, you're going to hit on it too. I mean, we're going to get you guys in position to draft the right players, but in this particular draft class, I'm dumping a lot of my picks, you know, people value them more than I do. I'm finding that, you know, consistently. So I have no problem whatsoever of, yeah, I'll move a bunch of picks for players. I like, they have to be the right guys. Of course, I don't see that as a major risk. And Of course, you know, you're monitoring that draft, too. It doesn't mean – even if I have zero picks in this upcoming draft, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to watch who's falling. And if Jonathan Williams, a running back I really like, if he starts falling to the point where, wow, I I can't believe he's still out there, I'm going to call that owner up and say, who do you like off my team? Or what can I get to get back in? And, you know, along those lines, though, those 2017 firsts that we always talk about, I'm not moving them. I mean, it, someone would have to absolutely blow me away to pry them out of my hands right now. And I've got a lot.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I do think the answer is a little bit different this year, uh, especially as we near the draft, but as far as trading picks for players, for me it's really dependent on the player. I mean, I'm not I'm not selling picks at all cost, even in a in a year that might be viewed as a down year like like this one. And I would also say the closer you get to the to your league's rookie draft, the more valuable those picks are. And that's, you know, that's almost 100% true. You know, that's true in almost every case, that those picks gain value. You can get more for the 1.08 rookie pick, you know, in three weeks than you can today. I, I, I feel pretty confident in saying that. So if you are looking to sell picks, I would wait as long as possible as as your rookie draft nears.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. And and like those guys in my league that don't take it as seriously as you and I do, they're just starting to come around on oh, this Ezekiel guy is pretty good. You know, they're, they're starting to do their homework now.
0: Yeah, exactly. You've got to you've got to know your league. And if you have a league that's less active like that, then you know you're feeding on those 2017 first. You're you're just loading up uh, while everybody else tries to play catch up. No question. All right, so Mark's wondering about a player that um, a lot of the dynasty world is is talking about, is concerned about Josh Gordon. He says, "Is Josh Gordon's value declining? If so, by how much?" And he throws out a mid twenty sixteen second round rookie pick as a possible uh, trade. So, over the past couple weeks, um, you know, I think we're all getting a little antsy when it comes to Josh Gordon and his reinstatement. We've seen a couple of of reports saying that Roger Goodell has complete control of this situation. That there's no there's no certain rule that says if Gordon does this, he gets to return to the league. It's it's totally up to the commissioner uh, and his his decision, and that's that's worrying people a little bit. It, it seems like at least in the Twitter dynasty community, there is growing concern that that Gordon is not going to get reinstated. Maybe the commissioner is trying to make a point with him. Maybe he, he simply doesn't want, you know, this quote unquote troublemaker in the league. I think Gordon's value is certainly declining as, as that concern grows. And, and as time goes on, you know, every day that passes and, and we don't hear positive news about the reinstatement, his value is dropping. I would not take, Uh, if I'm selling him and I actually am trying to sell him in one league, uh, I would not take a a second round rookie pick quite yet. I'm, I'm hanging on to him if, if that's my
1: option. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, if you remember in hyperactive Two, we had dispersal draft with three teams. I drafted him quickly, sent him to Matt Waldman for his 17 first and some spare change. I think there was a third in there, a player I liked or something along those lines. I'm happy about that move. Now I I think, you know, it's, it's, here we sit on 4-9. How about my is on 4 nine forty 4-9? 49ers, I can never forget it. So <laughs> I, I, I get in huge trouble if I forget it. Anyways, if somebody has Gordon, like apparently you do, you've sat on this whole year. You're not going to sell him for peanuts yet. I mean, something bad would have to come out definitive to move him for 2-4 or 2-3. But, I mean, I'm curious at this point, and we are reading things like it's not a done deal that he's even going to come back. And he goes to a pretty bad situation. And the last we saw him, he wasn't tearing it up either. I mean, I think we got to remember that, too. The latest tape on Gordon isn't good. And he hasn't played in a long time. And he could get in trouble again. So, if I offered you this second, a random 2017 first for Gordon, are you moving him?
0: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I I think at this point I'm taking any first-round pick for him. Certainly any 2017 First rounder and you know, we've talked a lot about that class. We'll talk more about that class today. But yeah, I'm moving any I'm moving him for any seventeen first rounder. I I saw him traded in one of the hyperactive leagues, I guess about a week ago, for the one nine and the two nine in in this year's class.
1: And you'd take that as a Gordon owner right the second, right?
0: Yeah, I would take that as well.
1: But you wouldn't pay it.
0: No, I mean I'm just you know, I'm just not buying
1: Gordon. Um, and as much as I love receivers, okay, say I'm say I trade Gordon to Waldman and Gordon goes off and has fourteen hundred yards this year, I probably still have five other receivers I really like. I mean, they're not hard to come by. And I know we're, you know, that's building blocks of your dynasty team, but if I have Devontae Parker and, you know, four, you know, four other guys that I really like, I mean, okay, I, I can live with that mistake.
0: Yeah, I, I think the the upside is not on Gordon's side right now. I think the upside is in selling him, especially if you're getting a first-round rookie pick. Yeah. So as, as the questions came in from our listeners, I, I started to notice some themes, which uh, gives us great information for what the audience and, and what the community wants to hear more about. There were several questions, Matt, about super flex leagues and two quarterback uh, dynasty leagues. So I'm not sure if you play in any of these type of leagues, I've started over the past few years the kitchen sink leagues, which uh, I talk a lot about. There's four of those now, and those are those are super flex leagues. So obviously, giving some some added value to the quarterback position. Have you have you done any super flex leagues?
1: I haven't, time? and of course, I'm always asked these questions. And to be very honest, uh, you know, I'm going to defer to you on this. I, I am very interested because one of the, my pet peeves about fantasy football is. The most position, the most important position in all of sports, isn't that isn't all that important in fantasy football. So I like this idea to make quarterback more important because quarterbacks make the NFL go round. So I'm curious what you have to think, what you have to say on this because you know how valuable is Kirk Cousins, how valuable is Ryan Fitzpatrick? You know, I mean, guys that are you know that you can get pretty darn cheap in a regular dynasty format. So
0: some of our um... Some of our questions, and again, we got multiple questions on this topic. How early would you draft a quarterback in um, a super flex league with four points, four-point touchdowns? Mm -hmm. Anybody specifically to target after the top three, Luck? Uh, He mentions Luck, Cam, and Wilson. Uh, I'm assuming Aaron Rodgers would be in that group as well. Sure. And then someone else just says, curious how your ranks would fluctuate in a
1: two-quarterback league. I want to add one question to you as well. Let's say Carson Wentz goes second overall to the Browns in a rookie format, in you know, a rookie superflex format. Is he a top five or six pick in, in your rookie drafts then? Actually, somebody,
0: uh, one of our listeners mentioned something similar, asking about the, the draft range of Goff, Wentz, and Lynch in a super flex. So okay. we, we had all of those covered. You know, I see this discussed a lot, and I don't think. Well, first of all, you know, there's no inexact science there that that every quarterback would get, you know, moved up the ranks or up the ADP by X percent. But it's it's a lot. It's a it's a lot. So, I mean, if you think about that top tier of quarterbacks, Luck, Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers, and you know, some people have Russell Wilson in there. You, you may or may not. But it, it, I would say, Luck, Cam, and Rodgers become Top five players overall, you know, in in a two quarterback dynasty league, or even in a superflex um, a superflex dynasty league. So you would
1: trade Odell for Luck,
0: um,
1: or strongly consider it if you're that, if you're really needy.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a trade you might see.
1: Okay,
0: uh, are you know one of those top quarterbacks? You know, even up for a, for a Beckham or Hopkins or you know Todd Gurley or something mm-hmm. like that. So those those three or four quarterbacks become part of that conversation of that top tier of dynasty player overall. And the great news there is that just makes the top tier even larger, you know? So if, if you've got a, if you're doing a startup, a two quarterback startup or a super flex startup and, and you're in the a middle first round pick, maybe then even if you miss on those quarterbacks, you might get Deandre Hopkins in the middle of the first round where in every other league, he's going one, 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 two, or one, three, something like that. And then you can come back in the second round and, and still get a great play, player, maybe even like Russell Wilson, for example.
1: That is pretty cool that it doesn't, it's not taking away from the top tier, you know, like all of a sudden nobody wants Mike Adams or, or Mike Evans or Alshon Jeffrey, but it's really just expanding that top tier.
0: Exactly. It's, it's expanding the top tier. It's expanding the second tier right. with, you know, with guys like Roethlisberger and Mariota, Jameis Winston. I'm actually looking at the two quarterback rankings over at Dynasty League Football right now. So, Andrew Luck is the number one overall player. We've got five different riders doing that, and he's the number one overall player. Cam Newton is second. Aaron Rodgers is fourth. And then you drop down, Russell Wilson is at 16th. So, you see some, you know, you see the the other position players start to creep in there and, and kind of maintain their value as compared to other leagues.
1: And I would guess that, especially in a two-quarterback league as opposed to a Superflex league, where if you're one of those guys that's holding four NFL starters by chance or three really good ones, somebody in your league is starting Fitzpatrick. You know, somebody bad. You know, I would think once in a while you can really get a guy in a bind where he's going to pay through the nose for a starting quarterback.
0: Yeah, I think so. And, and it seems like, and, and maybe this is just, just my perception but it seems like there's a lot more trades in the kitchen sink leagues and again that's that's just my experience those are the super flex leagues I play in but seems like there's a lot more trades in those leagues than in some of my other leagues and I think that's why because that that quarterback position has has added value to it uh inherently through the scoring system
1: and I would also think that you actually have to pay a little more attention to bye weeks with quarterbacks or you know, if I got a quarterback on a buy and I got another one that got hurt, all of a sudden in week six, I'm going to bind. I, I got nobody to start.
0: Oh yeah, I mean you're definitely We're looking ahead. Comes. You'll see plenty of backup quarterbacks rostered, mm-hmm. um, whether they're, you know,
1: Mike Lennon and yeah, exactly, yeah, right, right,
0: young guys who who you know maybe haven't even taken a snap yet, or or the you know I've seen like Matt Hasselbeck was rostered in in yeah. some of the kitchen sink leagues the past couple of years and, and, you know, that, that paid off somewhat as, as he got some playing time.
1: So I would think handcuffs are even more important. I mean, if you have luck last year, it's pretty nice to have Hasselbeck. I mean, at least, at least you can start somebody.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you haven't, you know, Hasselbeck didn't have a a big statistical year at all, but, um, having somebody to fill that spot and, and if he's getting 10 to 12 points a week, um, you know, that's, that's helping you out some at least. Uh, you mentioned the rookies, Golf, Wentz, and and Lynch. Uh, again, they're just adding. They're just making that top tier even deeper. I'm not sure if Lynch is in there yet. Uh, I think he's a little more team dependent. You know, we'll see where he ends up going in the in the NFL draft. But I think Golf and and Wentz make that top tier. You know, six deep instead of four deep, depending on okay. how you, how you're viewing the rookies right now. I mean, personally, I would still take Elliott. I would still take Treadwell over those guys. But once you get to 1-3, then, yeah, I'm looking at a
1: quarterback, especially if they're landing in a decent spot. I guess a better question to educate me and our listeners that don't know, how about last year's rookie class after Winston goes one, Mariota goes two to the Titans, and Bucks. all of a sudden, I mean, they have defined roles at that point. You pretty much know they're going to start from day one. I would think they would be massive dynasty assets in a rookie draft although that class was better for receivers and running backs.
0: Yeah. I mean, same thing. They, they cracked that, that top tier for sure. And I mean, you would see them at times being taken over Gurley and over Cooper.
1: Wow. Uh, Okay. Over white and right. Right. And,
0: and, you know, again, they were in the top tier. So sometimes you would see Winston going first overall. Uh, Sometimes he would fall to third or fourth, you know, just based on owner preferences so here's here's an interesting question. I had to think a long time on this, and i'm I'm not sure I still have a good answer. What two things would you tell your past self when you were starting to play dynasty so other than you know other than go buy Odell Beckham as cheap as you can, what are some lessons you've learned,
1: some things you wish you knew uh, as soon as you were starting to play? One of them for sure is. I hadn't really listened to anyone's advice when I started playing Dynasty, and I figured, ah, hey, I'm an ESPN analyst. I know what I'm doing. I'll be smarter than everybody. And I thought that young running backs made the world go round, but they don't stay young long enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I thought a first or second year guy was gold, and I would start this guy for the next next eight years, and he'd be Adrian Peterson, and I would dominate this league forever. Well, they don't. They don't last, you know. And therefore, I found myself weak at receiver. And uh, and since then I've changed my, my tune. And as everyone knows, I build on the Devonte Parkers of the world as opposed to the Ajays for my end.
0: Yeah. I would say one of mine would be similar to that. Just, um, I've talked about it on here before that when I started playing dynasty, it was all about the running back position for everybody. I you know, yeah. you would, you would do a startup draft and 11 out of the first 12 picks were running backs. And, and you know, in, in the first round, for example, and, and I I would probably take four running backs in the first four rounds before I would even look at other positions. So, I, I guess knowing how that would change so quickly uh, would you know would have been some helpful information build around those wide receivers, uh, and maybe get ahead of ahead of the curve there. Um, I don't know. That's a tough question though. I, I'm sure there's some lessons I've learned on on trading and trade strategy that you know that would have been helpful over the years. Uh, I really like to do what I call consolidation deals, you know, trading two and three players for one.
1: That roster spot's important.
0: Yeah, you gain those roster spots, you're upgrading your your starting lineup. You know, that's kind of an obvious thing, but something that took me a a little while to to figure out could really work. There's probably a lot of things, uh, clearly a lot of things that that I've learned the hard way over the years, but none are really coming to mind right now. That's a, that's a great question. One you
1: mistake know. I made the, the first dynasty league I ever joined, uh, I got, you know, I took over a bad team and I started to build it up and thought I was close to being a, t- a contender. And the mistake I made two or three times in that league was I'm one player away. I'm going to give up five picks or something to go get this one guy who I think is going to have a monster year and he's young. Well, one of them was Cordell Patterson one of them was monte ball out <laughs> mm. you know and one was antonio brown so that's kind of the lesson is if you go all in on a guy you can't miss yeah those those are
0: lessons learned the hard way for sure would you would you advise you know not to go all in in that situation or is that more of a player evaluation that that backfired on you
1: I, I think I, you know, I, I don't hesitate. Well, I, I think I, I would hesitate more to go all in on one guy now. You know, I, I think it's more slow and steady wins the race. I'm going to keep adding pieces, 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 and those pieces are going to turn into gems. As opposed to I'm going to land a whale and give a lot up for. Them.
0: Okay, all right, that makes sense. So here's uh, back to the rookie draft talk. Here's another question. This guy has the 1.01 pick. Uh, he wants in, interested in the what's the price tag of that? Should he be shopping the pick, um, or, or should he just keep the pick? And if so, is that Ezekiel Elliott? Uh, I'll let you is start it, on this one, Matt.
1: We agree it's Elliott, right? No matter what, I think at this point. Well, I at least do.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I, I've been, um, I don't know, I've been really hesitant to go away from. Laquan Treadwell at, at 1.01. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's been my number one Devy player for two years now. Um, you know, he had the leg injury, he he uh, kind of got off to a slow start his junior year, possibly because of that. You know, the offseason has has not been kind to him. He didn't run that fast, he he didn't do much at the combine while while Elliot has been uh wowing everybody and, and has you know bypassed him as the consensus 1.01. So I don't have the 1.01 pick in any league. I'm not doing any startup drafts this year. You know, I don't really have that choice to make and, and maybe that makes it easy for me to say that I'm, I still like Treadwell a lot. I do think Elliot is the pick because that's what 90% of the, you know, of the community thinks. And, And what I mean by that is if I still like Treadwell, or if I think it's even close then I'm trying to move down from one one to one two, pick up a little extra, and I'm happy either way. So as as the gap in value or perceived value widens between Elliott and Treadwell, the demand for your one one is you know is only going to increase. So you know three months ago, it you get you land the one one, the fantasy season's over, and you know maybe maybe that pick is not that. Uh, not as valuable as you would like it to be because the guy with 1.02 is, is happy to have either one. So that's, that's still my opinion. I'm happy to have Elliot or Treadwell. They're still very close for me. And if I have the one, one, I'm trying to move down and gain some additional value and and I'm happy having either one of those guys. So that's kind of a long worded way to say, yes, I would be shopping the pick. I would try to move down to one point oh two, but you know, if you just want to move straight out of that, I think, you know, Elliott's being drafted as the 20th overall player in our ADP mock drafts. So he's, you know, he's already got some big time standalone value. You can flip him, you know, you can probably flip that for like a Brandon Cooks, you can flip that for, you know, maybe even Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, you can get a big time player for that one point oh one pick.
1: Yeah, here's my situation, and you may remember, I mean, a couple episodes ago, I made that Mike Evans trade, and I got 1.1 in, as part of the deal. Well, that was in Hyperactive 4, which, you know, you brought me in, what, two or three years ago, and as an expansion team, I've been a very bad team, and that might be the best team building I've ever done. That team's loaded right now, and I'm knocking on the door about, about ready to be a contender. Losing Evans doesn't hurt my receiving core. That tells you enough about what I got over there. And last year I earned the 1.01 as the worst team in the league, and I took Gurley, so I could take Elliott and Gurley in back-to-back years and be pretty loaded everywhere else. That's pretty enticing. But what I've han- the way I've handled that over there is I haven't made any offers offering 1-1, but I put 1-1 on the trade on the trade block, so you know, and, and just kind of dangled it out there. No one's bit. I- I've been wanting to see. If somebody else will set the market, and I think that is one of the cases where I bet somebody does in the next couple of weeks, as we get closer to the draft, somebody will say, boy, I really want 1-1. One, one. Uh, who's got him? Williamson's got him. I'm, I'm going to go give, give him a call, see what he has to say. And I'll certainly listen, you know, again. I mean, I don't want my my best assets to be at the running back position, although having Elliott and Gurley wouldn't be so terrible. Um, so I'm all ears. And lastly, we haven't been pumping out Dynasty bl- blueprints lately. But in the meantime, I've done a lot more draft homework, and I think you're on board with this just from what you said too. To me, it's not even close to Treadwell's the number one receiver. I mean, to me, I, I'm a big Treadwell fan. I like him a lot more now than I did then, and he's clearly the the only one else I would consider at one one.
0: I, I would agree with that as well, but I'm not sure if that's what we're seeing from uh, again from the dynasty community. And I think Agreed. it's important. Yeah. I think it's important to be plugged in. You know, you've got to know your evaluation of players, but then you've got to know everybody else's too. And whether that's, you know, the Twitter community or if that's specific to your league, uh, that information can help you. So I I think what we're seeing over the past month or so is the 1-1 one, one is gaining value. You know, it's, it's locked in that it's Elliott and everything's looking great for him. You know, there's Dallas Cowboy talk, you know, and if he were to go four overall to Dallas and – um you know Alfred Morris is not a concern there at all he's he's a nice running back if you have him on your roster, but if Elliott goes there you know it's it's full steam ahead that he's the one yeah. one um I think the one three and one four are both gaining value um that's I think that's pretty much viewed as Josh Dotson, probably at three and uh Cory Coleman at four. I think both of those picks are gaining value, so if you have those picks, they're closer in value to the two. Than they were, you know, than they have been any time in, in the past few weeks or months. I think the two is just kind of, you know, just kind of floating out there that, yeah, it's probably Treadwell, but, you know, in, in some leagues, you're going to have um, somebody who's buying into the Treadwell hate that he ran too slow and he can't separate. And, you know, he's just a possession guy. And somebody's going to take Dotson. Somebody's going to take Coleman. And you might get Treadwell at, at three or four.
1: Yeah, that's crazy talk to me. And the one thing I really like you said, too, was I think the majority of Dynasty players right now think there's a large gap from 1-1 to 1-2, from Elliott to probably Treadwell. And if you own 1-1, that might be what you capitalize on, because I don't think you and I believe that. I mean, like, like you said, I would take Elliott over Treadwell, but I, Treadwell's pretty good. I mean, he could end up with the Giants, he could end up with the Rams, you know, there's a lot of spots for him to land. I, and then my, I guess the last thing to throw at you is what about Derrick Henry? I mean, to me, he could be the one that messes up that one, two through one, four. What if he ends up with Dallas in round two?
0: Yeah, he could. I mean, he could throw I things I still don't
1: off. want him. <laughs> right.
0: He could I throw things for off. Me, but right. Um Leonte is another guy gaining value. He could, you know, he could crash that top four as well. Henry, I think, has, you know, has a, a harder path to that top four. First of all, he's just a running back. And, you know, in general, people don't want to build around running backs in, right. in their dynasty leagues, even, even with an early rookie pick. And then there's only, you know, there's only so many spots. Yeah, if he lands with Dallas, he looks great. But I still think, like, 1-4 is probably his ceiling even then. So I think, you know, I think Henry's probably mid-first at best, barring something crazy. Yeah, you know, it, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of changes over these next few weeks. And and once we actually know the landing spots for these players, those those draft picks and draft values will begin to solidify. So you mentioned uh, a couple trades you had made. And our next question, uh, actually, we have a couple of questions about trade strategy and, and just how you approach trades in dynasty leagues. Douglas says, what's the best way to start a trade conversation? do you make a low ball offer or make what you view as your final offer? And and do you add, you know, I've seen this quite a bit. Do you add this commentary on, on why the other owner should, should accept the trade? (laughs) What do you think about any of that?
1: No commentary. Nobody wants to tell, no owner out there wants to hear your opinions. Even if you are an expert and you've got a whole bunch of Twitter followers and they don't, they don't want to hear I just made you this great offer and I'm making you, I'm doing you a favor. This is why you should accept. No, 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 no. Just send the offer and, you know, I mean, to me, that's, and go from there. This one's very dependent on the player you're after, what you're offering. Your league mates absolutely have to know your league mates because there's some guys in my league that if I lowball them or if I offer them 80% of what I really would pay, they just hit reject and they don't want to hear from me again, you know? So you really have to know that. So I don't really have an answer. I mean, this is this just takes experience and knowing your league, in my opinion. Uh, I'm not a believer in here. I'm making you an offer as my final offer. I, I mean, uh, why would I do that? I, I'm, I like to negotiate. I think that's a part of the fun of it. Some people are like, you know, they're, they're not into that. Why would you send me this? If you know, well, send me a you know, send me a, a counter. I mean, I'm not I'm not expecting you to hit you know accept the second I send you something. But one thing that of note that I've noticed lately, a lot of times like this one league, I have two, two and two, three, and I've been looking for a player or so to send those two picks to get a good young player in return. So in order to do that, you have to include the bottom guy on your roster. And so in the comment section, I always write Joe blows just to throw in. Well, people yell me, you know, write me back and they're like, well, I don't want, you know, Vance McDonald. I'm like, well, he only exists so you can hit accept. You know, like people don't seem to understand that, and that makes me crazy. It's like I'm not putting any value in him. Uh, I'm not asking for less because I threw Vance McDonald in. He's just my worst guy. If I don't include him, you can't hit accept. yeah, that's
0: that's funny. So uh, first of all, I agree on the you know the commentary or the the sales job. Don't do that. That no. only you know that only makes things worse. I mean, I haven't come across anybody that that has worked on definitely don't do that
1: as far I, real quick. though, one thing I do want to mention though is after I've made trades and everybody knows I put it on Twitter, I'll get an email back sometime saying, well, what did Twitter think of our trade?
0: <laughs> oh, well, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. That, that hasn't happened to me yet, but that well, yeah, that's interesting. So uh, as far as a low ball offer, you know, I don't, I mean, I think intentionally lowballing somebody or sending in a low ball offer it is not a good way to start uh, trade talks. You know, if I An don't embarrassing
1: I mean, one is a very, is a crime.
0: Right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not someone who gets offended by bad trade offers. You know, I can just laugh and hit delete or, or hit uh, reject and, and move on. But I mean, I, I do know some people that are just, you know, how could they send that to me? And, and they get really angry over these bad trade offers. You know, you want to be careful. You don't want to, in that line of communication before, you know, before it's really even started. So I would say somewhere in the middle, as far as you you don't want to lowball. I agree with you. You don't, you know, there's no reason to say this is my final offer, you know, take it or leave it, leave, leave the door open for some, for some negotiation there. And, and, you know, that's the fun part of trading. Let's look at our next question. Now, this comes from Andrew and he says, would you rather have one top 10 overall ADP player on your team? Or would you rather diversify, like maybe having three in the top 50? And and he mentions an example of having like Amari Cooper versus Hilton and maybe a couple of other players in that range. This one's easy for me. I want the stud, you know, and if I'm trading three top 50 players to get a top five or top 10 player, I'm doing that basically every time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, studs make the world go round. You can always manufacture Top 50 players by being a good owner and a couple of draft classes. I mean, the only time that I, I would consider it is like in hyperactive two. I just took this team over. We had a dispersal draft. I know I'm not going to compete right now. Two weeks ago, I put Odell Beckham on the trade block just to see if somebody will give me a lot. I mean, a lot, and so that I can fill out the rest of my roster. Be you know, have all kinds of trade power for and have a lot of youth. But basically, I mean, you're gonna have to send me your firstborn for him, though.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's kind of an easy one. You know, you want to build up and get as many studs as you can, and if you're packaging lesser players to do that, then then that's fine. Even you know, even if if you're trading your wide receiver three and he's starting on your team, but you're getting an Amari Cooper, and now you've got to go pick somebody up off the waiver wire to start, I'd still rather
1: do that. Yeah, yeah
0: I, I still think that's that's an improvement overall,
1: right? And if Cooper gets hurt, you lose. But so be it, right?
0: All right, here's a, another question from um, my my buddy Dwayne Brown, and this is this is the kind of question I love uh, because I am I'm all about dynasty ADP. I love studying that and looking at that and thinking about how that can help uh, help me build teams. So Dwayne says, let's look ahead to. June 2017, how many rookies from the 2017 class will be in the top 36 of Dynasty ADP? So we're talking the top three rounds. How many players, how many rookies from that 2017 class will be in the top 36? So we, we've talked a lot about uh, the class, you know, this 2017 class, and we've, you know, in just, just a few shows, we have advised people to buy 2017 picks every chance they get, Uh, you know, if you can go get them, do it, stock, you know, stock up and, and enjoy it a year from now. But how many rookies from next year's class will actually be in those top three rounds?
1: So just to clarify, these are going to be guys that are not yet drafted. Oh no, no, they they will be, they'll be with their new teams. Guys like Fournette and whatnot. This will be post- 2017
0: NFL Draft. Right, he said June. So just just for a little perspective, uh, we just wrapped up our April ADP mocks over at DLF, and and obviously this is pre-draft. We don't know where these players are going to land, and and uh, once we know that, their values could change quite a bit. But for now, we have three rookies in the top thirty-six. I, I mentioned Elliot earlier, he's actually an 18th overall player in our ADP. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's in that mid second round range. Uh, Laquan Treadwell is the 31st overall player and Josh Dotson is 36. So we've we've got three 2016 rookies currently in the top 36. How many could could crash that top 36 a year from now?
1: You probably know this better than I do, even though I've been accumulating 17 picks like crazy. You know the Devies and the youngsters, you know the, the guy's still in college, much better than I do. So but I bet I could come up with 36 dynasty assets that I would take ahead of Doxson. I mean, to me of the, this class, I know Elliot would be in my top 36. I bet Treadwell would be borderline, and I'm, I can almost positive be almost positive that that's it for me that would be, you know in my top 36 currently. But this new class is a heck of a lot better. My hunch is there's going to be four or five, Net and Chubb if he's healthy, and and who else?
0: Yeah, I think four is the number I came up with. So I think one of the things that makes the 2017 class, you know, so appealing to us Dynasty players is the depth it carries. We've said go get these 2017 picks. It's not just first-rounders. You know, go ahead and and stock up on 2017 second-rounders as well because – uh, I I think they're going going to pay off as well. As far as the top of the class, it's hard to have more than than three or four in the top three rounds. You know, typically what you'll see, and, and this has played out over the years. I've been collecting dynasty ADP for four or five years now, and in general, you'll see that top rookie come off in the middle of the second round, depending on, you know, how much difference there is between the top rookie and the second guy. You'll see the second guy come off in the late second round or or early third round, and that's that's what we're seeing this year with, with Treadwell, and then you'll kind of see the you know the floodgates open. Everybody wants you know if they missed out on one of the top guys, they want to make sure they grab a rookie in the fourth or fifth or sixth round. So and that's exactly what we're seeing this year. Yeah. So so for next year's group, you mentioned Chubb and Fournette, the two running backs, Juju Smith, Schuster. The wide receiver from USC. I expect him to be in that top 36 as well. And then Dalvin Cook is the Florida State running back. I think he could, he could be the fourth to, to crack that top 36 a year from now. Now, with that said, if, if you want to expand that to the top 50 or the top 60, you know, I think you're, that's where you're really going to see the difference in how deep that 2017 class is.
1: That's awesome. You know, I mean, uh, that these are all the things I've heard. I don't have a legit opinion on it yet. I mean, those are the names I know as well. But, I mean, that's really appealing. And the other thing is, just from our experience, if you did this, what, a year ago, nobody would be mentioned Kevin White. You know what I mean? Like somebody else that we've never even heard of is going to pop up.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Kevin White a year back would have been, you know, viewed as a surprise. And I mean even guys like Josh Dotson he was he was certainly on the radar. I mean I'm in Devi leagues where he was he was drafted. I actually have him in one league where I, I acquired him a year ago in in our Devi auction. So he was on the radar but he wasn't viewed like this. So Dotson's gained value, Sterling Shepherds gained gained a ton of value. Uh even Corey Coleman has gained a lot of value over the year. We're going to see somebody like that, you know, for 2017 as well. Somebody's going yeah. to come out of nowhere and and really surprise us our next question uh, again has to do with rookies but there are 2016 rookies some players in the third or fourth round that you would be eyeing not the Elliotts, treadwells uh cory coleman range but third or fourth round rookie picks uh, that you might be trying to scoop up you have anybody anybody in mind
1: Sort of. Uh, I mean, there's some guys that are growing on me and there's some Matt Waldman favorites that I've paid attention to. And I'll I'll list some of these guys that are appealing, you know, that area of a rookie draft. And generally at that stage, I'm just trying to load up on running backs as as just a a way of doing business. Because who knows? I mean, that could be Thomas Rawls, like Bloom said in our first one, you know, that they just kind of uh, something breaks right. And you end up having a guy on the cheap that is a good player that's buried on a depth chart somewhere. And he plays, but more than that, as I've got, as I've made these teams my own, I rarely have room for third and fourth rounders anymore. So I'm dumping those picks left and right because I don't want to cut somebody I like.
0: Yeah, and that that goes back to the the value of those roster spots, and and making those consolidation trades can help that. Yeah, there's there's a few guys I am I'm looking at. Um, I'm actually looking at our. Uh, rankings over at DLF right now, the third and fourth round range, so we're talking anybody outside of the top uh, 24. Rashard Higgins is a wide receiver from Colorado State. He's he's our 25th ranked rookie right now. Uh, kind of a slim guy. He's under 200, so we'd like to see him put on some weight, but in the third round, yeah, I'm taking a chance on him. Uh, Keith Marshall, the running back from Georgia, we've talked about him on here before. Uh, blew the combine away with, a, I think he ran a four, three, one. He's in that third round range.
1: For now. I could see him warming up though. Yeah. Yeah.
0: A couple wide receivers, uh, Sharon peak, Clemson kid. You know, I'm, I've just become addicted to Clemson wide receivers. So any, anything they put out, I'm, I'm interested. He's, he's a guy that seems to be gaining some value. And that's really where you're going to be able to grab one of the quarterbacks, you know, even, uh, uh, even Wentz or golf could fall to the third round range of
1: rookie picks the one name I wanted to mention and I've talked about him a little bit before and Waldman's the one that you know made me realize about the guy when I started reading this rookie scouting portfolio but um Peyton Barber from Auburn and I went back and watched his tape after I think he can be a a real fantasy force for you that if he goes in the sixth or seventh round of the NFL draft or maybe even undrafted who knows or you know ends up in a I don't care even where he ends up but I think he's got a chance to be a pretty quality back
0: yeah, even even with some Matt Walden love, he's still pretty off the radar. Yeah, uh, didn't do much at Auburn until last year, and and had a pretty good uh, pretty good season. Matt obviously saw some things he likes, and and when it comes to that, I'll I'll defer to him for the most part. Barber is a guy who who's kind of gaining some traction, and if he's there in the third round, definitely. And I do agree with you with drafting running backs in the second and third round. You know, if I'm doing a startup, I'm ignoring running backs. We'll actually talk about that in just a moment. Uh, yeah. For the most part, I'm ignoring running backs. I'm building around wide receivers and, and getting a young stud quarterback. And and so, yeah, when it comes to that rookie draft, that's where I'm going to acquire running backs. And I'm taking a shot on those guys in the rookie draft.
1: And if you cut them, who cares? You know what I mean? Like. If, they, if it ends up being roster fodder for you a couple months from now, it's not the end of the world.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that leads us to our next question. Will says he's drafting for year two in a startup. Which mid-round running backs should he value And after he's loaded up at wide receiver early? So this goes, um, goes back to some dynasty startup strategy. It's what I call the productive struggle. Some people would call it punting running back. Basically, like I mentioned, you're just ignoring the running back position. You're building your team around wide receiver. Your first five or six or seven picks might be wide receivers, and you're just almost ignoring the running back position altogether. So once you get to the 10th, 11th, 12th round, who are some running backs that you might take?
1: Well, I very much believe in this strategy, first of all. And it's hard to actually start naming names, but you don't want to get caught in the Jonathan Stewart, Frank Gore guys that, you know, that fall because of age, because they might make you good in, round, in, in year one. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> not good enough to contend, but too good that you're not picking in the top two or three of the, of the next year. And I'm not saying tank it. You don't, you don't go week to week and don't start your best guys. But I don't think you want the Frank Gores of the world on on a team like this, no matter how late they fall in the draft, unless your plan is I send them, I sell them to a contender for a draft pick down the road. And that's fine. Um, I I guess more like the McKinnon's of the world, guys that are stuck in a tough situation that could change teams. So I kind of can see both
0: sides of this. Um, I wrote, the Productive Struggle article a couple years ago. It, it's been well received and it's a strategy that I've used many times over the years. It's worked well. Basically, I stink it up in year one, but I've got a ton of good wide receivers. I end up with a 101 or 102 rookie pick. I can add another you know, potential stud to my team and, and now I'm ready to compete. So that's that's kind of the 10 cent version of the strategy and it's worked really well. Now with that said, as more and more people start to build around wide receivers and ignore running backs, guys like Frank Gore and Jonathan Stewart are falling to 10th, 12th, 15th round. So if you can go ahead and grab those guys, you've already got your young wide receivers, the only, you know, the only difference is you probably are going to win some games, maybe even uh, make a playoff spot or compete for a championship. Do you do that rather than Get that early rookie pick. So, like I said, I can see I can see the um, benefits of both sides here. Uh, Will mentioned he's he's strictly playing for year two. So if that's the case, I agree with you. Jarek McKinnon is is a good target. Theo Riddick I like. Yeah. Uh, Charles Sims, Sharkhandrick West. We've talked. You've mentioned in the past that maybe um, you know maybe this is Jamal Charles last season in in Kansas City. So so West would be a guy I would target pretty much I would say any young running back that, that might hit, you know, Tevin Coleman, we've talked about on here before, any young running back that could, could hit and gain some value. And if he doesn't hit no big deal, uh, you're still going to struggle. You're still going to get an early round rookie pick or an early rookie pick, and,
1: and you'll be ready to compete in year two. And one thing to do along those lines too, is be a, be proactive and look at who are the running backs that are going to be free agents after this year. and, and either go get that guy if he's coming off his first contract, doesn't have a lot of tread off off of his tires yet, or get the the backup who's going to fill in for the the Forte from a year ago. You know what I mean? The guy that's going to go somewhere else that somebody's going to fill those shoes.
0: Yeah, exactly. Again, that's that's a strategy that can work and has worked really well over the years. It is getting harder because everybody wants to build around around wide receivers right now, so that. You know, that wide receiver market is is a very competitive one, and you're going to end up reaching for guys in, you know, the third round that might not feel like a great pick. All right, let's take one last question here. This is from Eric, uh, and he's back to the 2017 class. He says, I think we all know about the stud running backs coming out in 2017, but what does the wide receiver class look like? So we've already talked about Juju Smith, the the wide receiver from USC. I think he's pretty much cemented for me at least as my number one wide receiver. But there's some uh, there's quite a few good wide receivers. A lot of the talk goes to the running backs, but the decision a couple of these players made to go back to school has made the 2017 class even better. So Corey Davis has been one of the one of the top Devies for the past year or so. Uh, he's a wide receiver from Western Michigan.
1: And a lot was, of people were disappointed that he didn't come out.
0: Yeah, exactly. So he chose to go back to school, which was surprising, disappointing for some of us Devi players. Uh, but that makes that 2017 class even better. So, and, and, you know, with with Juju and Fournette and Chubb, Davis has almost become an afterthought, which makes him, if you are in the Devy league, makes him a great player to to try to buy right now. You know, there, there may be some frustration that, you know, I thought I was going to have this guy for 2016. I've got to wait another year, go try to buy him. Um, I would say the same thing about Mike Williams, the, the Clemson kid. He had the, the neck injury. He missed almost the entire season. There's still, you know, certainly some concern there about how he's healing. And is he going to be able to come back full strength? There hasn't been much talk about that, but he is expected back. And, and still has plenty of value. After that, I would say those four: so Davis, uh, Juju, uh, Mike Williams, and then the other guy I didn't mention was Malachi Dupree from LSU. He's also going to be a junior. You know, Fournette gets all the attention, but Dupree's had had a good career so far as well. I think those four wide receivers make that 2017 class just that. That adds to that depth and makes it so enticing.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty excited to learn more about these guys, to be very honest. So good stuff.
0: Well, thanks for joining us today, and we'll be back next time talking more Dynasty Football.